Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of Brown Girls Read podcast. This is your host Aman Tiwana and this is Kathy Thakur and both of us love reading books. On this podcast we bring our favorite books to you and discuss the parts that were most meaningful to us and how we found them interesting or relatable as brown girls. Today we are discussing Sparks Like Stars by Nadia Hashimi. a historical fiction set against the backdrop of Afghanistan politics in the late 70s which highlights the tug of war between America and the Soviet Union that has led to the still ongoing war on terror this book is also our september pick for the book club so let us know on instagram at brown girl street pod if you want to join in the link is also in the episode description and now coming to the book when we decided to read this book there was no way of knowing that we would be reading this book during this crisis in afghanistan i think in some ways that probably made sitara's story all the more real but before we talk more let's still give an overview of the book to give a little summary of the book when sitara was 9 years old and she is the main protagonist in the story so when she was 9 years old there was a coup that happened in afghanistan where the then president of afghanistan and his closest family members and supporters were killed by the communists sitara's family her dad her mom and her little brother were killed in this coup in front of her eyes sitara somehow escapes and through a series of events lands in the hands of antonia who works at an american embassy in afghanistan a lot of things happen in the middle but finally somehow antonia and sitara end up together in the us where antonia becomes her legal guardian the rest of the book is about how sitara copes with her past her depression and her relationships in the united states nadia also touches on how immigrants felt after the 911 attack how immigrants in general feel when something is happening in their countries of origin and the rest of the world around them is just unaffected to me that is what makes this book so realistic in a lot of novels from south asian or middle eastern diaspora we see stories about molestation war and a life of sacrifices but in this book you see a girl who seems very realistic in previous stories these characters come to the us and they find peace but in this story it appeals to me so much because the western world is not the answer and that has been portrayed so well that yes we come from those third world countries and while the united states gives us a home but we still feel for our people we still worry about those worlds and also we have to fit in the us that's a huge pressure on immigrants that's a huge weight on people and that is what we see through sitara's character as well yeah a lot of books follow that white savior trope in some shape or form and i agree with you this book was refreshingly real to read because at no point sitara was this hero who overturned the way things were nor did her story end with her journey to the us because does it really ever end there no there's more and more for people to unpack throughout their lives and nadia has shown us the life of a war survivor a child who saw things no child should have and how no closure is closure enough and how nothing resembles safety for them and they have to live through this alone because people around them can't even remotely comprehend that horror and we see this in her life in her relationship with her boyfriend as well no matter how she feels for him or if he loves her she can't really trust him with her true story it's really hard to find support in life as it is can you imagine doing that while surviving the trauma of a war 
Yeah, that's so true. I don't think anyone can understand the lives of people who have gone through the trauma and now are living in the US and or not in the US, like maybe they're living in like country. They have come out of that trauma and are living in different places. But I also want to say that, you know, between everything that's happening in Afghanistan and what all Sitara went through, I was surprised by her bravery as a nine-year-old girl and her will to survive. It is unlike any other character in any other book that I have read. Through her, we see how amazingly well her parents had raised her and how incredible her father's wisdom was. At one point, when she was traveling from Afghanistan to Pakistan, she found herself thinking about her parents and how she's just a coward without them. And she was just like nine years old. But then she thinks that maybe if she manages to feign bravery, she could actually become brave. And I was like, wow, it's so unlikely for a child of her age to think like that. Yeah, she did seem smart and mature. And I guess if you have read Nadia Hashimi's previous books, you would see that she really writes children's characters super well. And I also think that in real terms, if there was a kid like that, such an adversity would force any child to grow up overnight and become resourceful for their survival. That's so true. I have actually not read Nadia Hashimi's other books, but I'm now going to pick it up definitely. But yeah, that's very true because we can't even begin to imagine what war does to children, right? Like if we have never been from that world, it's just just some distant stories to us, I guess. And what we hear is so different depending on where we are, right? Like people in US could hear totally different news and people in Russia could hear something else. And our point of views about the world are formed based on that. So we don't even get like an ounce of the reality to us. Yeah, that's very true. I guess like no one knows what really is going on in that place. And we also see everything from just from the news that's tailored or customized for our eyes to watch. But you know, also, since we are already talking about war, I guess one of the other things I want to talk about is the history of Afghanistan and everything that has happened there in the past decades. I was watching this documentary on Afghanistan as told by six women who spent their childhood and adulthood there and went through the times of this coup that Nadia talks about in Sparks Like Stars. Some or other war or civil conflict has been going on in the country since 1978. Actually, recently, it seemed like Afghanistan is slowly rising to its feet and there is some sort of peace in the country. And now what happened? Taliban entered Kabul and everything is again back to square one. And all this because of politics, just because of some people whose egos are threatened and they want to take revenge or oil or I don't know what else. It is so horrifying. Yeah, it's so chaotic. And I also watched the documentary. It's really hard to watch. Even when I try to look at it in a factual manner, from a historical point of view, it still made me so mad, you know. The whole thing started with the power struggle of the big nations. The USSR invaded Afghanistan to take control of the area. As a response, the US was immediately threatened that this could make it possible for the USSR to take control over the oil of this earth. Fucking oil. How many wars have to start because of oil? And as you go through the history, you just see that people are used as puppets by one regime then by the another for their own games in their conquest for power nobody actually cares about people yeah and i don't think it's really about the oil i think it's just about this mindset that our nation has to get this 
resource that's available before anyone else does otherwise like we'll be left behind or something like that i think it's just yeah, the greed like, of the people competition to be the world power or whatever and that just starts by holding as many resources as possible like why does us spend so much money on military and weapons just to remain a power right they could spend all that money on poor people give that money to the people who are suffering because of a war they kind of started but no the money will just go towards weapons and i guess that applies to all the countries <laughs> this is just yeah whoever has power it just comes from the same mindset and you know like doesn't matter whose ego it is that starts the war or whatever reason for starting the war is in the end like women and children are the one who get stuck in between all of this because even in afghanistan if you see there was a time when the communists were ruling and rebels were fighting them and women were stuck in between communists said that women can get education rebels or mujahideen said that women have no rights so women were being used as a tool to get both of their agendas forward to keep the disagreement alive and somehow it became like the reason to continue the war and yeah the state of women just remained horrific either way both sides kept using them in their political warfare and nobody saw them as even humans going back to the documentary i think it was barkazai who said that the mujahideen broke their hopes and dreams and when you see that you really understand the situation from the point of view of a person who has lived through these regimes who is just done with communists and was hoping that the mujahideen are actually fighting for them but they never were their leaders like politicians in several places across the world only cared about their own personal glory or vendetta it was heartbreaking to see how they took advantage of children who were orphaned by their wars to then brainwash them and turn them into taliban children and women are the ones who are always the most affected by wars and they are the ones who are never the cause of it it is so ironic and it is so fucking sad I know it's just so unfair like the people who are not causing it are the ones who are suffering the most and another thing is that you know every time something bad happens to a country any country politicians are so quick to make it a matter of either race caste or religion after the 911 attack in the US as mentioned in the book the US put Afghanistan on the map because Osama bin Laden was apparently hiding there and then the racial attacks began in the us against anyone and everyone who didn't look white we have heard stories about muslims and sikhs being the target of racial slurs at that time no one really thinks about what they must be feeling how scared they might feel for no fault of their own and this actually happened when covid started as well right trump was trying to portray china as the villain in this whole situation and because of that people developed anti asian sentiments there are some things that are continuously being used to create conflict between people oh definitely religion is probably the top reason for conflict everywhere like in us like you mentioned after 911 suddenly islam became the villain nobody understands the religion radical islamism is different from islam but nobody bothers to pay attention same is true with india where people are now confusing hinduism and hindutva which are very different things but nobody bothers to understand and also politicians feed on this because it's so easy to create conflict and get people riled up and do the dirty work for the politicians yeah that's so true whether it's post 911 or what happened during covid or what's going on in india the people who are 
targeted, the people who are marginalized, they end up losing their businesses, their lives. Even if they survive, we can't even begin to imagine the effects of the trauma that they go through. Of course, like now, in even in Afghanistan, because because Taliban is in Kabul now, at this point, there are thousands of Afghan refugees in Pakistan and India and other countries who need help. And I was thinking, what can we as citizens of the world and humanitarians do for the refugees at this point? I think one of the most important things we can do is to force the leaders in places we live in to not close the gates. Because I saw several countries are turning refugees away, which is horrible. So we have to keep writing to our representatives. We have to keep making calls so that action actually takes place. We are not sitting passively. Definitely. And I guess one of the other things that we can do is to work with organizations who are doing the important work of bringing these refugees to safety in whichever way we can. Maybe like we can donate some things. If we don't have money, let's just donate some things that we get out of the house and that could be useful to the refugees. Yeah. And at the very minimum, we can keep spreading awareness, whether on social media or just talk to your friends and family. Also read and educate yourself on this war on terror because there's also a lot of fake information which people try to get out there. And if you are interested in some books, we have shared some really good books on this topic on our Instagram. So go check that out. But do whatever you can in whatever capacity you can because people need us right now. Yeah, these are sad times and our hearts go out to the Afghan refugees and also to the people of Afghanistan who couldn't leave their country and are now stuck in the Taliban rule. And since this conversation started from the book Sparks Like Stars, in the end, Sitara also finds peace and hope for a better future. She finds closure and continues to work towards a better world, which I think is something that we can all do and should do. If you haven't read Sparks Like Stars, please do, because even though the book is based on a very sensitive topic, it definitely leaves us with a note of hope. Nadia's incredible writing is so captivating. This is probably one of the best historical fiction that I have read in a while. Not only because the story was so realistic, but also because the writing felt like I was actually there. Like this was, like I was witnessing it. There's this scene where Satara sees her dad and her mom dying in front of her. And because of what an incredible writer Nadia is, I could actually picture that scene in front of my eyes as I was reading it. I mean, right from the beginning, you sort of know that she's an amazing writer. But it only gets better as you progress in the book. She has definitely got a fan in me. I love her writing. You have to read her other books too. And I agree. This whole book played like a movie in my head. I was actually so engrossed in reading that I forgot to make notes or sometimes even go to bed on time. (laughs) Me too. I also want to applaud Nadia for writing about the effects of war on children, the PTSD, depression and the survivor's guilt they go through with such great sensitivity. And there's this anecdote about the censorship of several photos by the government that tells you everything you need to know about how horrific war is and how the players will show and hide information to justify their actions. And one more thing I want to add. I love this book for mentioning this phrase, which means white-eyed, which is an insult for the people who can't see reason or decency. And I've been meeting so many people like this recently. Now I have a word for them. (laughs) <laughs> who are you taking a dig at? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people. They know who they are. <laughs> I also love this book because Nadia has used 
a lot of poetry throughout, which made me love the book a little extra. Oh yeah, I love the poems too. They are awesome. And I can't wait to speak with Nadia about this book in our next episode. But before we end today's episode, Kathy, what are you reading right now? I am reading two books. One is Range by David Epstein. It talks about why generalists triumph in a specialized world and how we can all develop generic knowledge before we find something that we want to get specific about. And I'm also reading another non-fiction, which is called Reality is Broken by Jane McGonigal. In this book, she talks about how gamers are actually rejecting reality in favor of playing games that offer superior experiences and rewards. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah, we are all getting away from reality. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> what are you reading? I just picked a horror book called Revelator by Daryl Gregory. I've never read a horror book or I don't remember it. So this should be interesting. And you know the best part? The ghost is called Ghost Daddy. Oh, wow. Like horror. <laughs> Let us know how how you feel about horror after. <laughs> I know I picked it up yesterday before bed. And then I realized this was probably not the greatest idea I had. <laughs> I'm going to try to read it during the day. And I also just started listening to the Clever Girl Finance audiobook. So hoping to learn a few things about money making, money saving and such. Two very different worlds you are a part of right now. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> well, that's all for today. For our next episode, we are going to speak with Nadia Hashimi, the author of Sparks Like Stars. Don't miss out. And until then, keep listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Brown Girls Read Podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star rating and a comment. You can support us at anchor.fm slash browngirlsread slash support. Your support will allow us to continue this podcast and bring more episodes to you. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Instagram, browngirlsreadpod and browngirlsread1 on Twitter. If you have book recommendations for us, you can leave us a comment or message on our social media. And you can also subscribe to us on YouTube for more content.